I'm truly happy about the progress we've made when it comes to certain conversations we're starting to have. I mean, it's 2019, and we're finally starting to open up and speak to each other about those things that are important to us, whether it be the rights of minorities, whether it be body image issues, whatever it is that's important to us. Mental health is a big part of that, and we need to continue the conversation and never stop having it. Welcome back. Another episode of Relatively Normal. I am your host, Mark Paisant. Thank you for joining me again. And I kind of want to say I'm, I feel very fortunate, feel very blessed. Um, this is the 11th episode, so um, I put 10 are in the books. So I'm feeling good that uh, this might be something that I sustain. And I got a lot of a lot of good feelings going into this week, and I'll tell you why. So I tried something that I've never done before uh, last week. So I have uh, two platforms. So I have this one, the Relatively Normal Podcast, and I have a website that I started called Postcards to My Shrink, and it's just at postcardstomyshrink.com where um, i just writing some some random thoughts and hopefully some people will um, submit some stuff that I can put on that website. But I went out on social media and I kind of explained my story where I finally put out to the world that I had this podcast and that I had been struggling with uh, mental health issues throughout my uh, life, whether that be um, anxiety or depression kind of opened up about the therapy I've gone through, uh, talked to a few friends about it. So um, I actually started the post after I had finished the 10th episode of Relatively Normal. And I just put it up one night, went to sleep, and was kind of nervous to see what would happen, what kind of reaction I would get. And to be totally honest, it was 100% positive. I had people reach out to me that I hadn't spoken to in a long time and said, wow, Mark, thank you very much for being so honest and so open. I've had these same feelings for most of my life, and I've never ever told anybody. And I had a particular gentleman that I work with reach out to me and say, you know, wow, you know, that first episode kind of put me in tears because when you were speaking, it brought back so many memories of what I had been going through. And I've just started therapy. And thank you so much for doing it. So what I want to talk about today is not just awareness, because we we need to talk about awareness. We need to talk about mental health awareness. But just the fact of getting it out in the open, and again, I want to preface everything by saying I'm not a doctor. I'm just a guy who's gone through some things in his life, um, a guy who's gone through 
some mental health struggles uh, a few times in his life, uh, been through some deep, deep depression, some uh, a lot of anxiety, a few panic attacks, um, some suicidal thoughts in my life, and I don't think we should keep that in. For the longest time, I kept it in, and I thought I was doing right by it, and I wasn't. So let's talk about why we don't talk about it. Let's talk about how we can talk about it, and let's talk about what that means if we do all those things. So I want to start by um, kind of mentioning some statistics, and I don't have anything up right now. I am not... Uh, looking at any websites. I am not trying to uh, put any data out there, but I know there is a specific number of uh, data, specific number that comes that's that tells us how many people suffer through anxiety or depression in the world, in the United States, whatever percentage that might be, 10, 20, 40, whatever the percentage it might be. I'm not too concerned about that percentage because I have another take on it, and this is just my personal opinion. But I truly believe that most of the people in this world deal with some sort of depression or anxiety in their lifetime. I mean, I I think that's just obvious that, and I'm not talking about, hey, I got a test on Friday, I'm really nervous about how I'm going to do it do on it. I really think there is a high number, a high percentage of people in this world that go through life and have some sort of overcoming sadness or overwhelming anxiety. But I think, you know, most of the people in the world have found a way to deal with it or they found a way to cope with it. I think there is a subset of people in this country like myself who for the longest time never found a way to cope with it or to get through it in a um, productive way. So I kind of want to talk about that and I kind of want to use an analogy to help with this. There are so many diseases out there that have been cured by vaccinations, have been cured by just human evolution, but um, we know that they're out there. Um, For instance, you know, if you were, if you grew up in the same time I grew up in, you know, you probably got chicken pox, Um, you probably got your vaccinations. Um, So that is something that's done on a widespread level that pretty much everyone gets. I I remember going to public school and to even be able to get into school or start the school year, you had to have your vaccinations. Now, I'm not trying to get a vaccinations versus anti-vaxxer, you know, argument here because one, this is not what this show about and two, there is no argument to get your kids vaccinated. But think about for a second if we thought of mental health that way if we thought about it as something that everyone will go through in their lifetime and we need to help them with it early in life that is a it might be a wild take but just think about that for a second and think about how parenting might change think about how coaching might change think about how teaching might change and i mean that 
in a way, just just bear for me for a second because I think I think you understand what I'm saying, and I can only speak from this you know the viewpoint of a a male. I am not. I can't speak for females. I really can't speak for um, anybody other than the black male. But I think what I'm saying might resonate with some people. Think about when you were younger and the first memories you have of you being upset or crying or something going wrong in your life. Think about the advice that you got from your parents. Think about the advice you got from a coach or a teacher. Think about those times in your life you were really upset. And it could be the most trivial thing. It could be your favorite band broke up. It could be the team you played on lost in the state finals. It could be you broke up with your first girlfriend. It could be anything like that. Think about how the reaction was when you mentioned your feelings. Was it in a way dismissive? Did someone tell you, you know, there's more fish in the sea? Did someone tell you things will get better? Did someone tell you, hey, it's not that big of a deal? You probably heard those things. I heard those things. So those are the easy ways of talking to somebody, talking to a young person about their feelings. If a young person comes to you and says, oh, my girlfriend just broke up with me. And as a parent, you know, listen, I, I know we've all been through this. It's, this is, this is just young love. It doesn't mean much. They'll find somebody else. Don't, don't worry about it. Why are you getting so upset about this? We don't think much of it. I didn't think much of it. But what? think about that for a second. What is that teaching that young person? It's invalidating their feelings. And it's kind of telling them, hey, how you're feeling really doesn't matter right now because you're young. This doesn't matter. You'll get through it. We've all been through it. Ah, forget it. So if we hear this, over and over and over again, we start to invalidate our own feelings. We start to think when we're sad or we're upset or we're lonely or we're depressed or we're anxious or we're nervous, we start to think that those feelings don't mean anything. Our brains are wrong. Our feelings are wrong. Listen, yeah, I'm sad because this happened, but... Who cares? I'll get over it. That's what we start to tell ourselves. That's what I started to tell myself. I basically started to tell myself that my feelings were pointless. They were useless. Because if, some, if an older person told me, say after I lost a soccer or a basketball game, if they told me, hey, don't worry about it. Chin up. We'll get them next time. That sounds like, it sounds like good coaching, good teaching, good parenting. But I can't remember a time in my, my young life as a preteen, as a teenager, where someone actually said, hey, Mark, I know you're upset. Tell me what you're feeling right now and just listen to me talk. 
Think about that for a second. Think about if you're back in your 10-year-old body and you feel down and out about something. If you feel just the bottom of the barrel, you feel like the scum of the earth, you feel so low. And instead of someone telling you, hey, buck up, you'll get through it. Someone actually said, hey, I see that you're really upset. Tell me about your feelings. Tell me what you're feeling right now and how can I help you? Now, yes, I, you know, maybe to some people that sounds ridiculous. Maybe some people feel like that just takes too much time, especially if you're a coach and you coach a you know, soccer team with, with 20 players and everybody's upset. But think about it for a second because in that position as the adult, Aren't we responsible for molding young minds? Aren't we responsible for raising the next generation? Aren't we responsible for that? Whether you signed up for it or not, isn't that our responsibility? We complain as adults about generations after ours, but didn't we raise those kids? You know, we can say we want about millennials or about Generation X or about who, whoever came after you. But didn't we raise those kids? Aren't they the ones we're raising that are becoming future generations' parents and future generations' leaders? Whose fault is it if there's so many people in this world who cannot deal with anxiety and cannot deal with depression in productive ways? Now, this is not to take the responsibility off the individual. I will not do that. People are responsible for their own actions, 100%. But at what point do we look at a person and say, that is a learned behavior? The way you respond in times of crisis is a learned behavior. No one comes out of the womb knowing how to self-medicate. No one comes out of the womb knowing exactly how their body is going to react or how their mind is going to react to certain aspects of, of, of things in their life, to certain stressors or triggers. No one knows that. No one is born with that. That is taught. That is learned. So whenever I talk to somebody in my life right now that has come to me and says, hey, Mark, you know, I'm going through some things in my life. I, you know, thank you for opening up about your mental health issues. This is what I'm going through. I make sure that I treat them and I talk to them the way I would have liked to have been talked to and treated when I was going through that. It doesn't do anybody any good to just sweep something under the rug just because it doesn't belong to us. I have a whole podcast episode about leading with anxiety, but I'll tell you right now, when people I work with and people who work with me, work for me come to me with issues, come to me with problems, I know, one, that they are not looking for a solution. They are not looking for a quick fix. They are not looking for me to tell them exactly what to do. One, they are coming to me because 
they feel comfortable talking to me. Two, they're coming to me because they finally built up the courage to do it. And three, they just need somebody to listen, to respond. So when we start to treat mental health and mental health awareness and mental health issues out in the open, when things aren't done behind closed doors and things aren't done behind, you know, masks and shields, when people are able to speak openly about their mental health, then we all are more successful because of that. This world can really, really be an accepting place, but at the same time, it can be a scary one, especially for someone who doesn't think they can be open about their own feelings. Think about that for a second. A trigger happens in your life, a stressor happens in your life, and your body reacts, your mind reacts. You have feelings, and for some reason, you feel like you can't express them. You feel too embarrassed. You want to just close up and just keep all of those things in because that's what we've been taught. Now, if we all start to open up, if we all start to tell the ones that are closest to us how we feel, and if the ones closest to, uh, to us actually listen and they actually, you know, take time out of their day, take time out of their life to be that friend, I personally believe that we can progress even further and even faster with coping mechanisms, proper coping, coping mechanisms for mental health, for bipolar, for depression, for anxiety for any of these things that pop up, panic attacks. Now, this doesn't mean that there's going to be other ways that we have to deal with them. We're still going to need medication. We're still going to need therapy. We're still going to need psychology, sociology, all these things. We're still going to need all these things. But think about this for a second. Does it make you uncomfortable if your best friend came to you and said, hey, I've been in therapy for the last year. Would that make you uncomfortable? Would you feel bad that you didn't know? Would you think your, your best friend was crazy? How would you feel? Now, how would you feel if your best friend came to you and said, hey, I've been going through some things. I think I'm going to start therapy. Can I talk to you about some things? And just think if you were going through the same thing and you had struggled for the longest time to be able to talk to somebody about it. And then you find out that you and your best friend can help each other out. It doesn't even have to be your best friend. It could be your coworker. It could be a family member. It could be a cousin. It could be anybody in your life. But just think, and, and I'm asking you to just think because it seems like a wild idea 
for people just to be able to openly speak about mental health. But why is that? Think about why is that? If I have some sort of incurable disease, and I'm not saying mental health is incurable, but say I have, you know, uh, some sort of inoperable cancer or some, some autoimmune disease that's eating me up. One of the first things they tell people in the hospital is to, is to be open about it. They tell them about groups of other people going through the same thing so they can talk about it. Because even when the body is failing, the mind needs to open up. We have to talk about things. We can't keep everything in. So why do we treat mental health like that? I have anxiety every day of my life. Every single day. That is not hyperbole. That is not exaggeration. I have anxiety every day. I wake up with it and I go to sleep with it. But what I don't do anymore is I don't hide when I have it. And just the simple fact of talking about it and being open about it and letting people know about it doesn't just make me feel better, but the next person who has anxiety, debilitating anxiety every day of their life, they finally start to talk about it. And they say, hey, my friend Mark has it. He's talked about it. He'll talk to me about it. He writes about it. Think about that 13-year-old kid that might be starting high school. Think about that kid that just moved from the place they've lived their entire life and they're going into a, a new school, new high school. They don't know anybody. They're anxious every day that first week. They don't know the teachers. They don't know the students. They don't know the city they're in, they don't know the teams, they don't know anything. Would you want that person speaking up about how they feel? Or would you just tell them, hey, you know, just give it time. Just give it time. Listen, it's only been a couple days. You just got here. Just give it time. I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't. I want that young person to express how they feel. And I want to listen to them because those same feelings they have today will be the same feelings they have when they're 25, when they're 35, when they're 45. And if they don't learn the best ways to cope with anxiety and feelings of loneliness, then we're just opening up the door for them to find their own way, which could include detrimental things to their health. It could include using drugs to feel better, becoming addicted to alcohol, becoming addicted to food, using sex to feel better. Things that on paper might not kill us, but they are not healthy and give us a higher chance for disease, for high blood pressure, for unlimited life expectancy, 
So I am telling you right now, I've started to talk about it. I think we all should start to talk about it. So how do we have these conversations? It's easy for me to say, hey, open up, talk about it. Just go out there and and talk about how you're really sad about something. (laughs) How do we have these conversations? Well, let me tell you right now that it is not easy. But most things in this world that are hard to do are definitely worth doing. And think about it this way. We all want to be the best person we can be. We all want to be better tomorrow than we were today. We all want to leave some sort of legacy that our kids can hold on to and our kids can learn from. What I've done, especially, and I'll be a thousand percent honest with you, what I've done, and I I have a five-year-old and a four-year-old, and it was really easy for me to dismiss their feelings, especially when they were sad. Just give them a hug and tell them everything will be all right. But what I've done over the past few years of having these two beautiful girls in my home is whatever feeling they express to me verbally, and this is how I know they're, they're starting to learn, started coming to their own, they'll tell me when something makes them really happy or when they're really sad or I can see it in their face or when they're crying or, or when they're really excited about something. I'll just take a moment and ask them why they feel that way. And you know, a lot of the time, they don't know why daddy's asking that question. They just think it's daddy being silly or being funny or or whatever. But when they're really sad, I ask them, I say, hey, tell me what's making you really sad. Because I don't want to dismiss their feelings even as a, at a young age. Now, a lot of the conversations we have now, they won't remember as adults. But if I set the foundation now of how I'm going to respond and show them how it's okay to feel the way they do, I think I'm doing a better job at parenting. Now, it's, it's so easy for a five-year-old to cry because their favorite toy is missing. It's so easy for me to say, it's okay, honey, daddy will buy you a new one. But if I continue to say that, in their minds, they're going to think, okay, if I'm sad, daddy will just take care of it for me. So as they grow up, they're going to think 
someone is going to take care of them when they're sad. They're not going to accept their feelings. They're not going to try to understand their feelings. Oh, I lost my job. I'm not going to be sad. Someone will find another one for me. I lost the love of my life. He broke up with me. It's okay. Someone will find another man or woman that's, that's perfect for me. That doesn't seem, to me, it doesn't seem like good parenting. It doesn't seem like raising a responsible adult. It doesn't feel like I'm raising a, an adult that will take full control of their life and take advantage of knowing how to cope with feelings. So how do we open up? And the good thing is that it might be hard, but there are so many avenues to do it. Whether we feel comfortable posting on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram, whether we feel comfortable texting a friend, whether we feel comfortable for in college going to speak to a college professor, whether you're like me and you get to a point in college where you say, listen, I'm just going to go and speak to a therapist. And, you know, when I made my post on Facebook about what I had been going through, I I told a bunch of my friends, like, don't feel bad if you didn't know. I didn't tell you. I hid everything. I was 18 or 19 when I saw my first therapist. I had roommates in college that had no idea. I had teammates. The only person that knew was was a coach because he kept he asked me why I kept missing so many practices. So I honestly believe I can't specifically tell you how to do it. But what I can tell you is that if you decide to do it, there is a very good chance there will be a positive outcome out of it. Don't feel like you have to fight these battles alone. You know, wars were not won by individuals. Wars were won by nations. Wars were won by a group of people. Rights were not won by individuals. They were won by groups of people. You need to understand that. So take the time to gather your thoughts. And again, like I said before, it's, it's great to write things down. Write your thoughts down. That way they become clear. That way they become concrete. And speak to somebody. If you're going through something right now and you just don't see a light at the end of that tunnel... And there are people in this world that will help you. If someone truly calls themselves your friend, they will listen to you. And I tell you what, if there's a person who calls you their friend and they don't want to hear about how you're feeling or they dismiss how you're feeling, I hate to tell you, but they might not be your friend. To all my friends, they know they can call me and we can talk about anything. My wife knows we can, we can talk about anything. And I know I have friends that I can talk to them about anything, and they will listen. So, think about 
what you really need in your life. Do you need another person dismissing your feelings? Do you need another person just saying, hey, it'll be okay. Things will be all right. Don't don't worry about it. Time heals all wounds. Don't worry about it. Or do you need somebody who says, hey, I want to be there for you. I want to listen. Tell me what you're going through. Tell me why you feel this way. I personally think if, if more of us do that, then we can really set a standard for how we deal with mental health. So thank you again for listening. I appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to listen to this podcast. Hopefully you listen to more in the future. But as always, you guys are great. We'll talk to you later. Have a great day. Relatively Normal is written, produced, and edited by me, Mark Paisant. And as always, if you or someone you know is in crisis, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255.